Hello. Good evening. All right, let's jump right in, shall we? Yes. Good evening and welcome once again to this week's edition of the FlexFox Fantasy Weekly Show. I am, as always, your host, Darth Newton, coming to you live from my attic here in beautiful downtown New Hamburg. And with me, as always, is the tradesman himself, Jeremiah the Kid Johnson. How's it going, Jeremiah? It's good. I'm fired up. Ready to do this. I'm excited. All right, then. And, and what's got you in particularly fired up? Was it your own performance this week or just the fact that you had a couple of trades? Definitely the latter. My team is terrible. So it's always <laughs> going to be when there's a trade to be had, that's always a reason to get excited. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Well, we'll, we'll definitely get to the trades. It, it, I think in fact, we got a fairly full episode uh, of, our, of our loyal, you know, dozen and a half fans so uh let's go ahead and jump right in as always we're going to start with the highest scoring team and actually one of the uh one of the things i'm going to point out this week is we're only a couple weeks removed from perhaps one of the closest uh sort of weeks that we had ever had in in sort of the living history of of our uh our fantasy pool as it were this is not that week i think the closest matchup this week was like a 30 point spread so it was fairly fairly cut and dry all the close matchups dried up real quick and fairly early on sunday but the top scoring team uh this week as it seems to be every week uh was the number one overall seed mad king now sitting seven and oh perfect on top of the pool uh taking out the suddenly sliding stads who has put together four consecutive losses sliding down to 11th overall and again, not a close matchup, 326 to 202.4. Any comments on this particular matchup, Jeremiah? Well, a couple things. I think we can take from this that uh, Ian's early start to the season was probably a bit of luck um, in terms of the performance he was getting. I know we've been talking about that. Um, I think this is clear evidence that he's not in the top echelon of the league. If okay. he's going to make the playoffs, it's going to be in the back half, probably at this point. Um for Ryan, I think, you know, Ryan and I have been kind of going back and forth on Slack because he, he was commenting on our podcast last week mm. about how we were kind of not giving him a fair shake in terms of holding him to a high standard of playoff success. And so I want to reiterate that no one's questioning Ryan's prowess in the regular season, but one championship in five years of probably being a top two or three team in this league, just in my opinion, isn't cutting it. Okay. Um, I think, you know, Ryan had a lot of, a lot of different reasons in uh, – in the Slack chat between the two of us for why that's occurred. And I, I think his point was that it's random and he has no control over it. And I think that's to a point fair. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you can't have continued regular season success like that and come up with, come up empty handed at the most important time of the year. I mean, absolutely. And I'm the living embodiment of regular season matters less than the playoffs with my own finishes these last three years. Because even though each of those years, Ryan was top of shop coming in or top two, as you're saying, mm-hmm. my, my own record is better than his in overall standings, which just goes to show the regular season is only necessary to get you into the top eight. Once you're there, all bets are off. And I agree with that. I think the point that, and Ryan, I think would agree with this point, is that he's going to be judged based on his postseason success, right? At this point, 
short of going undefeated, which, hey, you know what? He's a third of the way there. He might do. Um, no one's going to care what Ryan's regular season record is. They're going to care what the end result is. And Ryan should care what the end result is, frankly, uh, more than his regular season success. And so I agree with him. There's some randomness to it. There's only so much you can do when your trade deadline is like five weeks before the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And I get that. I understand that. Um, but the thing I, I've never seen Ryan do, and maybe he can, uh, maybe he'll defend himself here, but I've never seen him drop like a surefire keeper in a desperation move to pick up a guy mm. uh, that could push him over the top. And I, I can't think of a scenario off the top of my head, but I hazard to guess there was a matchup or two where that, that could have been an effective move and maybe he just didn't want to do it. So, you know, how bad does he want to win? And, and for me, I think it's fair to say, I don't care what he does for the rest of the, the rest of the season. I want to know where he ends up. All right. Fair enough. I'm going to take a slightly different approach around this in particular, uh, because fundamentally speaking, I do think Ryan is going to be the favorite going in. He's probably going to have a tough first round matchup, not because of anything outside of that number eight team. It's probably going to be a team that has come on in the back half of the season, right? Like it could be a stads as an example who, you know, right now look like he's sliding, but if he rips off eight, eight in a row to sort of get back into it, like he could be that eight team that is just, you know, just going out like gangbusters as opposed to, you know, a softer, you know, six or seven seed just due to how, how the rest of the season is sort of shaken out. But I agree. Um, you having the best regular season record gets you nothing in the playoffs outside of the seeding. And just like the Boston Bruins this year set records, didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter. Right. Yeah. And they're not going to be judged based on, you know, how, how spectacular their president's cup is. It's going to be judged on yes, but where's Stanley? Where is Stanley Jeremiah? That's the question. <laughs> well, and to put a bow on this, like, I think the, you know, I forgot the saying, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. But I guess, mm-hmm. you know, if we apply that here, like the Boston Bruins were arguably the greatest regular season team in history, yep. which made their downfall in the playoffs even more shocking and disappointing. And that's how yeah. I feel about Ryan's last five years, minus his championship. Right. So if he goes out this year again, before I'd say the championship, anything less than a championship appearance is definitely a disappointment. I mean, we'll just have to wait and see, but, uh, you know, everyone's chasing the guy in first. So the biggest target on the back is right now on the back of the Mad King. Stads, however, just to give him a fair shake on this, uh, one of the few weeks where Otani had a big week and Stads didn't get a big win out of it. Yeah, again, I think this is like, and it's it's easy to highlight this when you're going up against Ryan, but it's a depth problem, right? Mm-hmm. Ryan's got more guys that are putting up 20 or 30 points a week than almost anyone else in the league. And that shows up here, I yeah. think, and makes the difference. Yep, hard to argue. So uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see how both of these teams shake out, whether the Mad King can take the overall title at the end and if Stads will playoffs this season. But one thing we need to cover is the, the next uh, highest scoring team this week was a bit of a surprise as we had the Squirtle Squad, who are the 10th ranked team, uh, just making it a family affair and beating his own father, patricide, if you will, uh, <laughs> beating the number eight team, uh, the Stubby Clap Clappers, with a resounding 282.5 to 133.9 for the clap. This was just a 
beatdown in kind of an epic way, and everything just seemed to come together just perfectly for the squad, and nothing worked for their father. Thoughts? I'm not surprised, actually. I, I, I think I picked them. I'm not 100% sure, because I don't keep the picks in my brain afterwards, but the Squirtle squad, to me, this is what it looks like when it goes right. They mm-hmm. got Corey Seager back. That's a big, big part of it. Um, and Alex Bregman coming around is a big part of it. You can't keep him down, I don't think, for an entire season until he finally had a good week. And when you combine those things with strong pitching, Lance Lynn, of all people, being their top scorer, this is what it looks like. Um, on the reverse side of things, I, I've said this multiple weeks to multiple <laughs> teams, but when you have three relievers as your top three-point getters, you are in trouble, and that is exactly what happened here. Yeah, it's true. You you have been mentioning that for uh, a couple of teams, or at the very least a couple of matchups, but honestly, I believe it's been the Garth McKinnis team that has this happen to him the most, which really highlights, granted, he's got a great bullpen, and it would be a position of strength to trade from. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, yeah. my bad. That, that's not going to happen. So what it does, however, is it puts him into an interesting spot where now, you know, Garth McKinnis, you know, McKinnis senior, if you will, is he's still at five and two. He's still got a very strong record and he's still in one of those positions where if he goes 500 the rest of the way, he's probably still a playoff team and might be one of those soft six or seven place teams that we were mentioning in the previous matchup. I was just going to say he's the playoff team you want to face if he's in there because mm-hmm. I don't I don't see him as being legitimate. I, I'm not even convinced, frankly, that he makes the playoffs. I mean, if you want like a bold prediction at this point, I don't think he's mm-hmm. even in the top eight when it comes when it's all said and done. I think he's in the yeah. Europa tournament. I think uh, I, I honestly think he's going to be 500 again. That's where right. I'm at with him. So. so the slide is not finished. On the yeah. other side, Squirtle Squad again. We putting up a good. Good uh, mark this week. Do you think this is a sign to come? Is this them finally putting it together, or is it still a little too inconsistent for you? It's a little too inconsistent for me to to say they're back. Uh, I think, if anything, though, they do have the bullpen uh, starting to come around. They do have prospects to make bullpen additions as well. So I think with the Squirtle squad, it's more like what do they think? (laughs) Less of what we think, right? If they think this is – sign of better times. Well, I'd like to see them make some moves then to reinforce the roster to kind of push that to happen. Um, so I think their action will actually be more indicative than, than what we say here. Yeah, fair enough. And and hard to argue, I suppose, but uh, always interesting when you get the, uh, get some of the key matchups uh, going head to head. And in this one, the, uh, the young McKinnis comes out on top. So let's go ahead and shift over to our next matchup here, featuring the third highest scoring winning team, uh, which also happens to be our number two seed, the now six and one Midland Raccoons, who put again a bit of a beat down on RKR's Bash Brothers at a 266.8 to 227.0. The Bash Brothers now slide to ninth overall with their four and three record. The Midland Raccoons are a pretty strong six and one and second overall. Which is more believable, the Raccoons as the number two seed or RKR as the ninth? I think RKR as a ninth seed is pretty believable to me. Um, you know, I, I think, like, first off, holy, holy Christopher Burrell over here. Uh, I, think he has like, I think he has like eight homers in like 12 games since he's been yeah. called up. So that's, that's insane. Um, I'd like to see how long he can keep that going. But I think, I think RKR being the ninth seed, like let's say eighth or ninth, could could fit like i think that's a 
that's a viable thing. I mean, Juan Soto hasn't been Juan Soto. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a lot of injuries. So like Tristan McKenzie is still working his way back. Nick Lodolo mm-hmm. looks like he's going to be out a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I can see that being a realistic finishing place for him. I can see him actually being the team that Ryan gets in the first round that he doesn't want to face. Like, I actually think that's more likely to be in, frankly. Okay. Um, given RKR's roster construction. Cause I think he has the guys like top to bottom that if they all click on a week, 300 points. Okay. Um, so I do... The raccoons. Hey, you know what? I, Uh, but it's shocking. shocking. I mean, don't Would you agree? And I think you might have cut out. Are you still here? Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah I got you still. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was, I was just saying, saying I think, I think, I think like, the Raccoons, I don't want to run into a parade, but, like, it's pretty shocking what they're doing. I, I was asking if you mm. agreed with that take. Um... Yes, to to an extent. I, I I do not believe that I would have expected them to be at six and one specifically. That's a that's a that's a big that's a big time uh, record specifically. Um, and on the whole, I did not have them in our uh, preseason picks as one of the playoffs teams. Although, in in my defense, neither did you. Um, no. So I mean, <laughs> and and this particular like this is a good score. Two sixty six is a strong score. It's obviously the third highest of the week, but I mean, is Tommy Edmund going to put up 35 points a week? Probably not. Right. So this might've been Tommy Edmonds one week, right? Maybe he has two or three of these over the course of an entire season. Um, but he's probably not one of those regulars that you're expecting. Right. You know, whereas, whereas uh, Suarez, uh, Eugenio, that's a fun word to say. <laughs> Eugenio Suarez, where has he been all year? Right. Um, is this him starting to come on? In which case, yeah, I can see the raccoons going far. You know, say a Suzuki again. If this is what he's going to be going forward, yeah, this will this will work. But I don't know. It feels it feels a little soft. But at six and one, it doesn't matter how soft it feels to me. That's clearly a, a combination that is working for them this year. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think the the thing that comes off as soft is the names of the guys that are on their roster because they don't have a track record, right? Like, mm. a lot of these guys are... This is their breakout season, right? Like, like a Jared Kelnick. We, we don't know what Yoshida really is, right, over mm. a full season. Verdugo's never put it together uh, over a full season with power, and he's starting to do that. Um, and on the pitching side of things, their, their arms have all got good upside, but they've never been healthy together at the same time, right? Like Kershaw, McCullers, Severino... Um, I'm probably leaving guys out, but like those guys have never all been healthy together. So we don't really know what this team looks like. And so if you told me, you know, they're a top three team at the end of the year, I mean, okay. I, I see them more as like a four or five seeded team, like a middle, middle playoff, mid-tier playoff team. But mm-hmm. like the ceiling is there for this kind of outcome. It's just, we don't know. Cause there's not that track record. Yeah, and I mean, it'll be interesting to see if Bobby Witt Jr. does sort of come on to to really like headline this team, right? Like, if if Bobby Witt Jr. were to start making regular appearances in those top three slots over the course of the rest of the season, it becomes a lot more believable to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm not gonna lie to you, I'm a bit worried about Bobby Witt Jr. personally. Uh, the the defense is solid, but I I 
feel like the OBP skills are lacking for me personally. Okay. I am worried that he's not going to make enough quality contact to be an elite player. I, I saw an article the other day um, and they were basically comparing him to, oh gosh, who was it off the top of my head? I'm trying to think. They compared him, I think, in, in a respect to Byron Buxton and the potential of like the tools being off the charts, but not actually putting it together. And I thought, I thought maybe that was a good composition in terms of like, he just hasn't shown with the bat that he's elite yet at the major league level. Okay. Um, but yeah. by that same token, I suppose the defense could be as simple as he's still a spring chicken. He's very, very young. And yeah, obviously Buxton took a long time to put it together, but how much of that was just injuries getting in the way all of the time. If Bobby Witt stays healthy, he can probably, in the course of one season, put together as many at-bats as it takes Buxton to do two, meaning he will be twice as good as Buxton in half the time. Well, not all of that math works out, but you see what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, um, yeah. If he's young and he's healthy, experience is a hell of a teacher, and he's getting a lot of hands-on experience right now. On Granted, a very, very bad team, um, but at-bats are at-bats, and he's still facing you know, major league pitching night in, night out. Yeah, I mean, it does kind of suck. Like, anybody who plays for the Royals is going to have a hard time hitting for power in that stadium, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so the bat's always going to, I think, always going to be a bit disappointing at home. And that's we've kind of seen that with other players on that roster, right? Like, Pasquantino has a lot of his home runs in away games. Yep. Um, trying to think of other guys off the top of my head, but, like, they're just not performing. They weren't performing great when they had a lot of home games, and that's kind of that's kind of shitty. Right. <laughs> Yeah, well, let's be honest. Uh, Bobby Wood Jr. could be the biggest star on the planet, and no one is watching that game because, good Lord, is it hard to watch Kansas City play these days. You don't like watching Zach Greinke pitch? I used to own Zach Greinke, and I didn't like watching Zach Greinke pitch. Mm. I like the grunts. Okay. You know? That's fair. That's fair. Well, speaking of grunts, uh, the director put in some overtime work putting the grunt skill into flex <laughs> uh, with a pretty big 265 and a half to 228 and a half. Again, another big victory, a uh, big margin of victory, I should say. The director slide or sorry, director advances to five and two and our fourth overall seed. And flex continues to just sort of waddle around in the bottom of the pool. 17th overall at one, six and oh, now we were both all over this. Uh, in the picks last week, but are you convinced that Aiden is still that top five type of a team? I am. I, I think so. Um, you know, Kevin, Kevin freaking Gossman over here uh, leading the way. So again, validating Aiden's moves earlier on in the season. Right. Uh, interesting that he was a top scorer. And yet I believe the Jays lost both of his starts, but that <laughs> is fun. That is awesome. The Jays are great. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, not to get sidetracked here. Aiden is a good team. I think he, again, is in that Midland Raccoon tier of a mid-tier playoff team. Somebody who you probably don't want to face. I actually think the Raccoons and Aiden could be headed for a first-round matchup, which would be very interesting. Mm. Um, Aaron Otto finally coming around. Another good sign for Aiden. And the pitching. I mean, I was trying to pedal somebody to Aiden the other day, and he was like, I have seven guys. <laughs> I went and looked at his roster, and he did actually have seven guys, or he seven guys better than that. Um, right. One through seven, his worst pitcher is Joe Musgrove. 
who admittedly is having a bad season, but like put that into context. That's sure. his number seven pitcher. So crazy to think. Yeah. Uh, and for Flex, on the reverse side, I mean, we know what Flex is at this point, I think, which is a team that's in still <laughs> profoundly in re. Um, he's mm-hmm. got some pieces. Which is fair, although it's still nice to see Corbin Carroll playing up a big week and, you know, solid performance by Hunter Brown as well. Yeah, and I mean, he's got to be excited by that, but he, he obviously needs more at this point to, to move up in the league. Like, he gets a couple of these guys every week. Uh, but there, beyond that, what does he have, right? Just filler, right. so... Well, okay, let's uh let's let's put the screws to you uh with a uh put you on the spot on on this <laughs> one then. If you're flex then, do you move a Corbin Carroll or do you move, you know, a Hunter Brown? Do you move one of these big, you know, 2 3 year from now pieces to try and build up some of the mortar or do you just accept the fact that you are the 17th place team? You've got a 1 and 6 record and you're definitely not in the playoffs this year. Um, I mean, for me, like, it, I I can tell you, like, he isn't looking to move those pieces. Um, yeah. But if he was, like, it would depend on the return, right? Hypothetically, what the return looks like. I mean, you can throw some pro- mock proposals out here if you want. But, like, yeah. unless you're getting two or three, like, in my opinion, if you're trading a Corbin Carroll or a Hunter Brown or, or whoever, you're looking for two or three pieces that are going to help solidify the depth of your team in a few years. Right. I think back, you know, years and years ago, I made a, a trade Turner trade. I think I, I traded somebody. I forget who it was, but I got three pieces back. And it was like Trey Turner, Cody Ballinger, and another piece who at the time were unproven, but all those guys turned out to be good. Like that's the kind of deal you're looking to get if you're flex. Um, but as we're going to talk about, I think his farm system is very strong. I rank it very highly. So yep. there's no impetus to him to just keep waiting. Right. He's got guys coming. Let it go. Give it another year. See if those guys progress. All right, fair enough. I like it. Well, let's go ahead and uh, move past Flex into one of the weirdest teams to uh, to score high this week. Um, we had something of a of a heavyweight battle between the 19th place and the 20th place team here, as Nick the Man Penner is finally on the board with a 262.3 victory over the unfortunate Illuminati. We now have two one six and O teams, and they're right at the very bottom. But Nick gets a win, and he put up the fifth highest score uh, of the winning teams this week. Surprised? Yeah, I mean, I frankly, I don't give a shit. I I, <laughs> I am surprised. Uh, but but even a broken clock is right twice a day, right? So okay. um, things happen. You know, I wouldn't count on this happening every week let alone again but uh yeah let nick have his moment in the sun here of uh potential relevancy if nick were to rip off a i'll just i'll just stop you he will not do that (laughs) so i'll just stop you right there you you don't even need to to continue with that sentence it just won't happen yeah all right all right i was gonna give losses to be followed then then, okay yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair. I was going to give him a uh, sort of a 750 win percentage from this point forward. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. 
see okay. see how that all went together. But okay, you're you're pretty convinced that this ain't happening and uh, yeah. to just shut it down. Okay, well that's fair. And on the other side, Mike's not exactly looking that much better. Uh, this was his chance to to get a second win. I mean, you're facing off against the undisputed lowest, well, the undisputed second lowest team, I guess overall. Um, it's it's, yeah. it's tough. These teams are the two worst to own. Like, if I'm a prospective manager, let's say hypothetically, like you were on like Reddit and you're like, I need an owner for this orphan team. Like, these are the two teams nobody would want to roster GM because okay. they're bad and they have nothing else. Right. They have no hope, right? Like, where is the hope? The farm systems for me are bad. Personally, they're bad. Um, and the major league product is bad. So the only path to relevancy is hitting on some good picks in the low minors draft. Which, okay. frankly, I mean, if I look at their past couple years drafts, like, <laughs> I mean, Mike less so, but Nick has, like, no draft acumen. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know where they're going to go from here. Fair enough. Well, at the very least, there's nowhere to go but up once you're at the bottom. So the path is clear, the direction they need to go. It's a question of whether or not they'll take that first step. Uh, but before we move on to the next uh, the next matchup, I wanted to point out that in the preseason rankings of who we thought would make the playoffs, Jeremiah, you didn't pick Nick. Don't, don't worry. You also didn't pick Kaminsky, so you're fine there as well. But ESPN <laughs> actually had Nick as the eighth place team. Uh, overall, which I found very interesting looking back at that. That is interesting. I mean, I'm not very surprised that ESPN's fucking stupid because okay. everything ESPN does is fucking stupid. Uh, I, I keep thinking back to like uh, Edward Julian. He wasn't even a player in the database until like a day after he got called up. So, right. ESPN is just fundamentally flawed. Okay. All yeah. Right. Well, you heard Nothing it here yet. first. Jeremiah. Not a fan of ESPN, uh, which I think also means that he hates their parent company. Jeremiah hates Mickey Mouse. Me and uh, Ron DeSantis are best pals. Ooh, yeah. Maybe don't say that one so loud, depending on the kind of attention you may or may not want. But speaking of attention, let's put the, sh the spotlight and shine it on me as the sixth highest uh, winning team score this week i put down a 253.8 and in doing so uh beat ben and the star boys with their 218.4 now this was a much much closer matchup coming into the sunday where we were within tenths of points of each other uh before my my hitting crew just managed to sort of pull away a little bit but this makes the the star boys a two and five team and slide to 14th overall um that's definitely not where I had them. And in fact, both actually all three of you, me and ESPN had been as the fourth overall team uh, coming in in our preseason playoff picks. So ESPN was wrong about Nick and we were all wrong about Ben, it would seem. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think coming into the year, I think I would have picked your records to actually be reversed. Like full on sure. five and two for Ben, two and five for you. Yep. Um, yeah, and I mean, you know what? Like Ben is a perplexing case. I think part of it is injuries. I really, I really do believe that. I think, but a lot of it is underperformance as well. It's, it's probably both. Like his Max Fried has been hurt. I think a lot. Jazz Chisholm has been hurt a lot. Um, and Ben doesn't really have. I think we've discussed this in years past for a contender. He doesn't have a ton of depth. He rides about like seven or eight, like high end stars. 
Mm-hmm. And if those guys aren't a, as a collective unit performing to like their 90th percentile outcome, it's just not going to work for Ben. Um, so his two, arguably his two biggest stars, I think in Chisholm and, and Freed have been not only not their 90th percentile outcome, they've been almost zeros. Right. And so I think that's kind of what we're looking at. And then you throw in the fact that like Sandy Alcantara has been probably about 50% of what he normally is. And that's just probably a game over for Ben in terms of production. Yeah, uh, I was listening to uh, to a different podcast uh, earlier this week, and somebody had basically called out, no one has been hurt by the shift rules more than Sandy Alcantara, or Alcantara, I should say, um, that he was renowned for getting them to just sort of hit that ball into the hole, have it gobbled up by the misplaced second, or, second baseman or shortstop, basically the rover, and get that ground ball out at first time and time and time again. And, you know, he's still going to be a workhorse. He's still going to put up, you know, a lot of big innings, big, in- big inning numbers. But the results are just not what they needed to be. Well, that tracks. I mean, Sandy Alcantara has never really been a strikeout pitcher. Like, it's weird. He, he throws hard, but he doesn't really strike a lot of guys out. It's like less than a K per inning. And he does rely on a lot of ground balls. So that, that does kind of. Yeah, that tracks with me anyway in terms of like maybe he's being hurt by the shift a bit. I also think he's just pitching poorly in combination with that probably. Yeah. Um, but let, like the talking about your team, I mean, I was on, oh, I was on baseball Reddit on the weekend, on Sunday, just okay. cruising around, and people were like losing their minds about how shitty Charlie Morton was pitching, and I was like looking at the stat lines for the week, and I'm like, it's not that bad. Like I think people are just like overblown on how bad he is. Um, cause he was your top scoring pitcher. And I think, yep. you know, you're, you're riding like gritty veteran performances, right? Zach Eflin, Max Muncy, Charlie yep. Morton, you know, and, and Hey, you know what, if it's working for you don't fix it, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. Well, okay. Jeremiah, I will, uh, I will definitely take your advice. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to fix anything. Uh, Jeremiah said not to. All right. What more, what more do you need? <laughs> that's right with friends like you jeremiah stamps right. of approval <laughs> well let's uh let's take this opportunity then to uh shift on over to uh jamil who put up the the seventh highest score in his somewhat surprising beatdown of our now third place team the big beefy baseball boys uh with graham uh, put up a two forty nine point nine uh, to a two seventeen point nine. This I this was the closest matchup of the week uh, in overall point total, which is interesting. And this makes Jamil a three and four team. Graham slides to five and two. I asked you this earlier, but which of these is the more believable record? Uh, I think the three and four is more believable. I, I again, like I'm. I'm not sold on Jimmy on what he is, right? Like, it's weird to think this matchup was decided by Michael fucking Waka. Like, that to me is just fucking nuts. Like, that is just fantasy baseball to a yeah. T. Like, some complete bomb who has been bad for years. It doesn't throw hard, doesn't strike guys out, just had a, a killer week. Like, okay, that's going to happen sometimes. But is Michael Waka going to do that consistently? I don't think so. Um, you know, and I think for Graham, like, this is just kind of one of those law of averages things where hey you know what like he came back down a bit he ran into a team that had an ins- a player that was pitching unconscious um and that's just kind of the way it goes and you're gonna have those weeks when you're not ryan level i guess 
Uh, and that's fine. You know, Jamil's probably going to sit there and argue, hey, Carlos Correa has been basically a ghost all season yeah. and that can't continue. And like Abreu was bad and that's not going to continue and et cetera, et cetera. Fine. I, I just, again, I, I just don't think there's enough there on a consistent week in, week out basis to make him an elite team. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Right now, his point total is still more than enough to bu- to keep him sort of buoyed up into that top five echelon, as it as it were. And a five and two record plays within that as well. Yeah, I mean that that is fair. And I think for Graham, like conversely, right, you can argue that like Justin Steele has been a revelation, and um, Nate Lau has been, or Nate Lowe has been a revelation, and, and will that continue? Uh, but yeah. I do have more faith in those guys. And that's just personal preference, probably, uh, over what Jamil's putting out on a weekly basis. Now, at the end of the year, they could be totally flipped. I just, I'm going to take what's already in, in the clubhouse, so to speak, in right. terms of the record here. All right, fair enough. Well, we might as well move on to the next matchup, which uh, Jeremiah has you uh, getting your ass slapped in the clubhouse <laughs> as the fourth quarter Jimmy Butler team. Put up a 246.0 to your 170.4. Uh, Tillo now 5-2 and two and our fifth overall. You are yet another 1-6-0 team slotted at 18th. Any defense? No. I mean, my team's okay. bad. We're, what'd you say? We're waddling around in the pool or whatever, I guess. I <laughs> yeah. guess that's what we're fucking doing. Uh, the, the team is bad. We are... We we're hip waiter waddling around. Yeah. Um, so we'll focus on Tillo here. I, I, okay. I'm happy with the performance if I'm him. Um, Adolis Garcia has just been really good for him this season. Um, Mookie Betts having second base eligibility is wild to me, but hey, it's, it's working for you. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Tillo's looking good. It's weird to me that like Garrett Cole has been really bad and this is still the outcome. It just makes me wonder if like Scherzer and Cole could put it together that we might be dealing with a top three or four team. Well, I mean, Cole is having, you know, no real issues with most anyone this season. He's just continuing to just mow down people. Probably we'll, we'll see whether or not uh, Otani just steals the, uh, the Cy Young after getting uh, <laughs> robbed for the, uh, the MVP, the MVP last year. But yeah. Um, yeah, Cole's been, Cole's been good. Scherzer, Scherzer's looking old. He's, he's just looking old, you know, like every now and again, you get a good start, but there's a lot more bad starts than good so far. Yeah. The Mets have to be pretty sad generally with that, right? Verlander and Scherzer, yeah. how, how that's been going. Um, Cole, I mean, maybe I'm recency bias. Like he got blown up tonight by the Orioles, which were actually pretty good. So maybe that's part of it. But um, yeah. Cole is pitching on Cole like in that he's not a top I guess three pitcher in baseball statistically. Like he's definitely striking lots of guys out, but his ERA is a bit inflated. He's giving up a lot of home runs. Um, he's definitely not Garrett Cole from like the Houston Astros, which I guess right. was like insane. Yeah. Um, but like Scherzer, I think especially big letdown for him. Chris Sale. I mean, what are you going to expect from him? But like he has been coming around. Um, yeah. You know, and he's still missing some. Like Tillo's still missing some pieces. I'm interested if he's going to call up Taj Bradley. Because that's a guy that's been sitting around in his system that looks like he's going to be pitching now and could Did, be a big contributor. Didn't he also get lit up tonight, though? 
did he? I don't know. I wasn't watching the race game. So the last time I, I, I also missed the start of the game, but the last time I looked, it was 11 1 for the Jays. So, oh, you know what? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I watched like 30 seconds of Devlin and Martinez before I turned it off. So <laughs> I couldn't fucking do it. So, yeah, it was. I, I didn't know he started tonight. So, yeah, he got must got lit up. So it was like, okay. Insane right. score. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe he's getting sent back down. But again, like part of that is just the Rays are fucking stupid. Like he was mm. pitching great. And then they're like, how about you go to the minors? And like he probably had a pout, probably busted his confidence. And now he's fucked. Well, that's what happens when you're the Rays and you're trying to save money, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid idiot. Probably had a pout. That's probably. I like it. Yeah. I like it. I want that on a bumper sticker. Having a pout. Having a pout. <laughs> Having a pout. I like it. Well, speaking of pouting, uh, let's go ahead and advance to our penultimate matchup here this week. The ninth highest scoring team is actually Chow. Size matters 202 to the pouting penis of 166.1 chow now a three and four team sitting 12th overall we got penis at two five and oh down in the 16th area um aaron judge hits baseballs good yeah you gotta look the fuck out with chow's team like aaron judge he he has two ingredients to success chow is like two ingredients to championship level performance and that is aaron judge hitting baseballs like he can and his elite pitching staff putting up big bullets He's got one of those things. Aaron Judge yeah. is coming around, man. Like, watch the fuck out. I would not be surprised if he has another MVP level season from here on out. Mm. He's just missing the pitching performance. So, unfortunately, Urias is hurt. Yep. Uh, Corbin Burns has been kind of bad for Corbin Burns. Um, but if he can get Burns back on track, Nola's already there. Am I missing a third elite pitcher? You'll have to help me out here because I'm not looking at the roster. But Paxton has been very good. Paxton's been okay. Yep. Um, you know, if you can get Urias back in a in a month or so, and get those guys going, like that is the recipe for success for him. Or if Julio gets it going, right? I think he could be looking very very strong. So this this could be the start of something, I think. So the one the one sort of concern that I would have if I, if I'm Chow right now, I mean, it's good to get the win, you know, put it in the put it in the bag, but. Aaron Judge scored more than one quarter of his team's points this week. You can't rely on a quarter of your points coming and winning on any particular week. I mean, I disagree to an extent. I think a lot last year, that was kind of the recipe as well, right? Judge was putting up 50 Mm. and 60 point weeks. Now, granted, the point total was higher, but say it was 50 out of 250 or 60 out of 250. I mean, we're looking at still 20% of the points. Yeah. So I, I don't necessarily take so much issue with that. It's just that the pitching and the other pieces haven't been good enough. Like 200 is not going to win most weeks. It's probably yeah. not. So you need more pitching. You need Julio to come around. You need to get up into the 250s to have a good shot most weeks. Yeah, fair enough. And on the other side, I mean, uh, Penis certainly put up <laughs> some points, I guess. I mean... I don't know. I it, I kind of feel for anybody who is relying on Lane Thomas to be their top point getter. It just feels like you're you're staring down a loss if that's the case. Well, man, I I just looked at this for the first time. But Dalton Barshow had negative ten points. Uh huh. That is crazy. That is nuts. That, He's that's, been struggling. Yeah. He's on the struggle bus for sure. For sure. For sure. I saw he was batting seventh tonight. That's not good. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not great. I mean, especially because uh, I don't know if you've been watching any Diamondbacks games, but the ball lately. I think he's on like a 12 game hit streak or something. He's been really hitting well. Not looking great. Not looking great. I mean, as the proud owner of both Christian Walker and Cattell Marte, I have noticed, and it's been nice. Yeah, I mean, we're not even considering, like, Gabriel Moreno, right? Like, because he's not playing every day. But, like, I don't know. I don't know if we should be letting those two clowns execute any more trades. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that one. But, uh, yeah, yeah, the Lane Thomas thing is a cry for help, for sure. (laughs) There it is. A cry for help by Lane Thomas, trying to get off this team to just try and be a glue guy somewhere else. Uh, maybe Lim will just, uh, maybe Lim well, will trade him, uh, well, you know? Well, just, like, imagine, like, in, in real life, you're on the fucking Nationals, and then in, like, fantasy, you're on this team. It's like, this guy can't catch a break, man. He's just on garbage teams wherever he goes. <laughs> this is quite the take, and Lane Thomas's parents are disappointed in you. <laughs> disappointed them. <laughs> Maybe. All right. Well, speaking of disappointment, let's go now to the last matchup of last week, the 10th. Sorry, what was that? No, I think you're cutting out a little bit. Let's try one more time. Go. What the heck? Sorry. I can hear you. All right. Let's get to to the last matchup. Our lowest scoring winning team couldn't even crack 200, but Chris's team is now 5-2-0, having taken down the 2-5-0 Ash Moneyballers with a 186.4 to a 138.3. Ash just swimming in the dirt on this one. George Kirby put up about a quarter of his team's points. Uh, it just wasn't a very big point total. Yeah, I don't want to talk too much trash on Ash because he's beating me down this week. But I guess <laughs> he was just resting this week so he could get ready to face me and all the trash I talk on him on a weekly basis. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Ash is not very good. Chris gets another chintzy W, which just seems to be Chris's MO when matchups like 160 to 130 that's like his best thing so well i mean if you look at it it was i mean it was kind of kind of chow like in uh how it was put together because this is almost entirely on the back of freddie freeman put up almost 40 points this week and then the next highest score is under 20 yeah i don't even know who the fuck uh drew verhagen is but uh okay, okay. um <laughs> i think the interesting thing for me it's like, where's Tatis, man? It's a guy off the roids. Must be, right? Must be no more contaminated meats. Because he's just not... I haven't seen him in the top three in a, in a couple weeks, I don't think. Yeah, it's 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 a bit of a question. But, I mean, it's also kind of hard to be at that same level you were when you haven't played in a very, very long time. I mean, I don't know. He went like five for six in, the minor, in a minor league game like right before he got called up three jacks or something i think i don't know it's just it's a weird one like the, the padres in general have been kind of weird this season in terms of performance yeah. which is fair yeah. which is fair all right well as i mentioned this uh this moves chris now into the seventh spot overall last week i'd asked you that if chris makes it to five and two are you going to start believing in him no 
I, I still don't. I still don't. I mean, come on. This point total, I, I don't get how he does it other than he must like buy off the other manager that week. But I, I don't know. I, I don't see how this point total can keep winning. All right. Well, there you go. We'll we'll just have to see. It's it's very interesting if you look at the five and two teams uh, overall. Uh, and I'll just give you the quick snapshot here in case you're not aware. But we've got Graham, Aiden, and Tillo all at five and two, and you feel really good about those three. And then it's Newton, Chris, and Garth McInnes also at five and two, bringing up the rear at the five and two level, which you don't have a lot of faith in. Yeah, I have the most faith in you out of that group, but I'm not particularly uh, confident in any of those teams <laughs> continuing on this base. No. That's fair. That's fair. I just find it interesting. Uh, oh, what I did, okay. however, find interesting. Sorry, what was that, Jeremiah? No, no, I was just saying, okay, like, why Why not? Why not? Uh, well, it's, it's just interesting. Uh, at 5-2, and two, it's it seems to be a, where there's a very interesting interplay where if half of these teams were in the playoffs and half of these teams were in Europa, that would feel right. But it's yeah. interesting because, like, that's your 6th, 7th, and 8th place team, which means that they're still fully, what, 60% of the league doing strictly worse than them. Yeah, it's just I just don't yeah. believe that that's going to continue, I guess. But, yeah. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. What I didn't find interesting, however, this week, Jeremiah, is the results of our picks, uh, which I always share with you before our show to give you ample time to uh, sort of scribble down some trash talk to uh, to throw my way as you need to. Uh, but this week you got six out of the ten right. I once again only got four, which gets us to a very disappointing uh, 45 to 39 overall rating i have slid back even further now six picks back that's basically a full week bring the trash if, if making picks was a class you would fail Ooh. this week like you would not be allowed to continue to this yeah. week so <laughs> i don't know yeah. if we should let you make picks this week i don't know well, now that all of my confidence is shaken, I, I can't wait to get to this uh, a little bit later. I, I didn't have a lot of time this weekend. It was just crazy around the family. But as I was watching some of these matchups just get wider and wider and wider, I, I started wondering who who it is that I have voted <laughs> incorrectly for the most. And actually, I think the answer ends up being Chris, uh, which is just sort of interesting because <laughs> I just never pick him to win. And he's got five wins. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how we feel about like how we're doing on Nick, but I'm pretty sure I'm one and I'm six and one on picking on Nick. Yeah, you so probably are. Actually. With that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and and there's just six picks, right? That that yeah. could be our difference. Could be the difference. Yeah, could be yeah. the difference. All right. Well, let's go ahead and advance to the uh, the next sort of segment in our lovely show here where we get to talk about uh, some of the trades. Jeremiah, there were only two trades this week, a couple of uh, minor ones, if you will. But the first one I think we can talk about is actually between you and the number one overall team, the Mad King, uh, where you basically shipped out uh, Brady Singer and Mark Leiter Jr., uh, for Brock Stewart and Kumar Rocker. Obviously, there were some picks going back and forth as well, but your trade, your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, just a chance to buy on something I'm interested in. Like, uh, I know Rocker's having Tommy John, but I, wow. you know, again, I'm not going to be competitive for a bit, so I got some time to wait. Kind of like Cavalli when you acquired him. Uh, yep. Probably 
you're trying to buy low, hoping you hit on him when he comes back. I don't think Brady Singer is particularly good. I've seen enough <laughs> Brady Singer starts this year to know that he gets hit fucking hard. So, yeah, I mean, I don't have a ton of faith in what he is going forward. And, and Mark Leiter uh, doesn't, again, throw particularly hard, but has had a good good season. But I'm just trying to sell those assets before they, they lose whatever tiny value they've left. Which, which is interesting. Um, I'm I'm curious about the Kumar Rocker part, actually, to be honest, because the first thing that I noticed is that when he went down, like this is not his first injury, as we as we well know, he had that shoulder injury that uh, he's only just started to come back from, and now it's an elbow as well. These are two big injuries for someone who is already kind of old at the levels that he's pitching at, right? Um, I know yeah. you 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 compare him to Cade Cavalli, and I think that's a that's a fair uh, comparison because it's it's in much the same way. Um, but Cade Cavalli went down pitching in AAA, whereas Kumar Rocker is still in I want to say low A. He might be high A now, but yeah, you know he he's still well above age for his level, and now has had two major surgeries to try and fight back for him, like. He he's gonna come back when he's what 25, 26, maybe sees the big leagues at twenty-seven if he follows the regular path. It could be interesting. Twenty well, he's gonna be twenty-four at the end of this year. Yeah. So if he comes back, let's say like after the all-star break next year, that would be he'd still be twenty-four. Probably gonna get a first full season in his belt at twenty-five. Um but actually the reason I was interested in him is actually because he was a single A, right? So I have too many high minors prospects. So Kamar Rocker offered me uh, somebody with certainty in that he's going to be in the low minors for the foreseeable future. And I can have him come back, see what he is. The Rangers are going to progress him, I guarantee you, when he comes back very aggressively because, like Mm -hmm. you said, he's old for his level. But he'll be in the low minors until that happens. So that gives me a bit of certainty in in terms of prospect manipulation. So to me, that had some value that maybe other people wouldn't otherwise attribute to Kamar Rocker. Um, Which is fair. And I I think, hilariously, this also validates the New York Mets' uh, medical concerns when they chose not to sign him. Uh, Although I'm perplexed as to why they drafted him with such concerns. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, on the one hand, the Mets have been renowned for their medical staff and their ability to deal with injured pitchers in particular. So that's not like the fact that they also decided to not sign him really gives me a hint at just how bad it was that even the Mets, even the Mets medical staff could go, holy shit, this guy is really bad condition. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm wondering that track record. I, I'm wondering if the Rangers borrowed a few of those doctors when they agreed to draft him third overall the following year. But uh, well, hey, whatever. And I mean, they just grabbed DeGrom as well, right? So. They don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. They don't even look at medicals. Indeed. All right. Well, let's uh, let's flip it over into the the next trade because I don't really have a lot to say about Brady Singer. I've I've been low on Brady Singer forever. I like Mark Leiter Jr. I, I guess I've got something to say about um, the uh, Ryan side of this after all. I like Mark Leiter Jr. I know he doesn't sort of have that that sort of traditional uh, sort of pedigree from from the the pitching output, but. I, I don't know. I, I think he's got a high baseball IQ. He's going to have learned to pitch from, I don't know, someone in his family um, probably <laughs> knows a thing or two about how to throw a baseball. And I think when you start sort of putting some of that together with just some natural talent, you're going to get results, even if it isn't the the big, splashy, you know, 13K per nine types. So I like Leiter. Uh, I'm, I'm high on him. I'm much lower on, on Kamar Rocker, but 
again, swapping upper 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 minors for lower minors does make some sense given your current condition. So I agree. Sounds like a C plus from you there, but that's okay. I like C plus. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And there were some picks in there that yeah. might change yeah. things a bit, but that's fine. Let's quickly go through the uh, the other trade uh, that you were also a part of. Um, it was a trade actually between you and I uh, that more or less gets uh, gets summarized by you get uh, Diego Cartaya, uh, the Dodgers, I get Flaherty and Lawrence coming back my way, uh, Justin Lawrence specifically. Um, what was your interest in Diego Cartaya? Not, not a ton, actually. Uh, he was somebody who was ranked highly in your prospect list. Um, someone who I trust the Dodgers scouting more than I trust most teams. Okay. Hopeful that the bat is good and that I could roster him at the end of the season and actually keep him because I have open keeper spaces. So he's not a high minors guy that I plan to just leave in my top eight. Mm. Uh, so hopefully he can get on the roster. But, but the main perk of this deal will actually just be the low minors pick. So now I actually own 25% of all low minus picks in round one coming into this draft, <laughs> um, which makes me very excited. For one, I don't think anyone's ever owned that many low minors one picks. Uh-huh. Uh, two, this draft is supposedly exceptionally strong. Yeah. So that gets me excited in terms of my ability to hopefully pick multiple difference makers. Like I think back to, you know, uh, Jackson Holiday actually yep. from this past year is probably the fastest rising prospect in baseball at this point. Um, so you hope to land somebody like that with those picks, maybe more than one of those guys. And that that's exciting. That's very exciting. Um, sad to see Flaherty go though. Cause I, he's a frustrating guy to own, but he's only 26. Yeah. He's only 26. Like that's the part that shocked me when I look back on it was like, I feel like he's been in this league fucking 10 years, but it's, you know what? There's still upside there. That 10 strikeout game is what you hope for moving uh-huh. forward. And he definitely has that ability. Like in 2019 or it was 2019 before he got hurt. That was who he was. Yeah. So he, it's in there. It's just can he find it? Yeah, and perhaps without even uh, intending to, you hit on basically all of the things that I was interested in. It gives me a little bit more depth in my starting mm-hmm. pitching ranks. Um, I've now got a reasonable top end of my pitch. Uh, don't get me wrong. It's not going to compete with the best of the best teams, but I don't need to compete with all of them. I just need to compete with some of them some weeks. And depth is my my way to get through that, right? And I see Flaherty as somebody who has a great bounce pack potential, um, particularly as, you know, <laughs> as the rest of the Cardinals start figuring shit out as well. Um, but I mean, if nothing else, he's a 26-year-old pitcher. He's not going to get sent down. He might get hurt. That's fine. That's, that's a risk of all starting pitchers, which is, again, why I find the depth to be the most interesting part. Um, but even, even from his statistics, like... He's still striking out more than a, a batter in inning. He's just walking a lot. And that ERA is is kind of inflated as a result of that. So if he gets those walks under control, I actually see this as being a, you know, a pretty good sort of top 30, top 40 type pitcher. And that's the kind of depth that uh, that I felt my team could use. Uh, as far as Diego Cartaya was concerned for me, um, he's he's a highly touted catcher prospect. Cool. Um, he also happens to be blocked by perhaps one of the best offensive catchers in the majors right now in Will Smith. Uh, that hurts. Yeah. He's probably trade bait. I don't know where he's going, and now I don't need to worry about it. It's a good, it's a good point. Um, 
you know, I was watching, like, walks were never part of Flaherty's profile before. And, like, I was watching his yeah. start actually against the Dodgers, now that we mention it, on Sunday as I was kissing him goodbye. Um, and he was cruising, actually, through four innings, and then the wheels kind of fell off. So I think he's just kind of working through some stuff, and it's one of those, like, he's coming back from a major injury. He's probably still figuring out how to pitch consistently day in and day out on a five-week schedule. I, I do believe the upside there is top top 35-ish pitcher. I agree with you 100% on that. It's just, will that happen? Yeah. Well, the other interesting aspect is that he's already faced the Dodgers twice this year, and he got lit up in, in both of them. And yeah. those will be the last two times that he faces the Dodgers this year. As a Central Division team, he has now faced the NL West those two times. Um, mm-hmm. There might be one more series. I'd have to dig to see if whether or not that was where sort of the extra series ended up coming from. But he's bad against the Dodgers. So let's not play the Dodgers anymore and see how that goes. Yeah. Point. That's a good point. Um, upside, All right. for sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I hope so. Or otherwise, uh, <laughs> I've, up. I'm going to lose this trade. That's just how that works. All right. Well, Jeremiah, let's uh, let's keep this banter going. Let's uh, let's advance into your article. Uh, I read the numbers in your article, and I felt that they were very soothing, going from one to twenty uh, in one order, and then there was nothing else mentioned. So, my friend, mm. talk to us about your article. Okay. So, I've been open about this. Part of the rebuilding benefit is that I have more time to do content. So, I kind of been looking into doing power rankings i don't want to do them every week i don't want to do a write-up i want to do a quarterly power ranking i'll post the ranking we'll talk about it um and this is just based off of my view at the majors level anyway we'll start with that the majors level one to 20 of where i think teams are at and for the most part i think it follows a lot of what the standings have to say um but there's a few variations right so i'm a bit higher on certain teams uh than others but you know like the mad king at the top and you know, Nick and Mike at the bottom, those things hold true. Um, I guess, you know, this is clearly my opinion, but like, did you have anything in the majors level that you were like, that's totally wrong? Um, the totally wrong? I don't I don't know that I had any totally wrong feels. Um okay. I I did I I acknowledge that uh the ones that I sort of looked twice at specifically were mm-hmm. um Chow up at ten right now. Okay. Um, he's, he's struggling a lot and sure a lot of it's there, but it's gotta, it's gotta come around. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and right now his standings are much, much lower than that specifically. Um, but in particular, it was more that, you know, is it all standings in which case, why are the stubby clap clappers one rank ahead of them? Right. Um, so if it's all upside, then Chow would be higher. I would expect than Garth McInnes, um, who's just that one spot above, um, and then in that same area, the the part that sort of surprised me that I think the most was seeing RKR up at four overall yeah. being a a big, big leap up, both in, I would argue, your thoughts on how he mm-hmm. basically on how the team is put together right now, but also in how the uh how the results have shown through. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm really perplexed by that team. That's probably why the ranking is what it is. Um uh, I think I think how I ranked the majors teams was how I saw the potential, right? Okay. So I tried to weight potential, say like 60, 65%, and then like right. where they're actually at in the standings, about 30 or 40%. Um, 
Um, and I tried to balance those two things because I do think the standings as they're currently constructed are wrong in a lot of areas. Like I, we've talked yeah. about this already, um, but like the Garth McInneses of the world, right. yourself to a degree. Um, and I believe in that other team out that's five and two, that, that Chris, I, I don't believe in these teams, right? So right. who's going to take their spot, right? Who's going to move up if those guys are moving down? Well, to me, RKR is a five and two team that I, or a four and three team. I'm listening to the record here, but RKR is a team that I very much believe in top to bottom just because the pieces are all solid right and so the potential of those things hit to me is a top five team and that's where i rank it um chow is getting a bit of credit for being a championship team many many years in a row um but i also think like again if his pieces come together the potential is there for him to be a playoff team and so i ranked him accordingly um did i give him maybe too much benefit of the doubt perhaps Perhaps because he's he's not in the tenth spot currently in the rankings, but he's not far off. Right. Okay, fair enough. Well, let's go ahead and uh, look down at the the bottom part of this because mm-hmm. you've got yourself uh, at at number sixteen, despite at this point still having a top ten overall point total on the season. Specifically, that seems to be a fairly big departure. I think I'm a vase team at this point. Like I'm selling off a lot of pieces. Okay. Um, so I think the point total is going to start cratering. I, I don't think that's going to continue because that point total is based off of, you know, weeks where I had guys that aren't even on the roster anymore. Right. Uh, so I think that point total is going to kind of revert back, regress back to maybe like 15. And then if that's the right. case, you know, am I really that good of a team? Probably not. Right. I'm probably in the basis here frankly. So I rank myself that way. Okay. And then right beside you is a five and two team in Chris, who you've said before, you you don't have a lot of faith in. No, no, I don't. Um, Yeah. I I just think by the end of the year, Chris is going to be bottom end Europa. Uh, And I guess I didn't rank him bottom end Europa in theory. Um, But I do think like if I had to pick, uh, if I had to pick four teams, like I guess flex Mike, myself and Nick, but like Chris is right there. Right. or how, I, how bad I think this team actually is. All right, fair enough. Well, then let's go ahead and shift over a column and we can start looking at your assessment of the farm system rankings. And I'm going to stay in the sort of that same area because it just so happens that you've got yourself and Flex labeled as the number one and the number two overall farm system. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that just a uh, a a clarion call for the hope that you feel or do you feel that those two farm systems are head and shoulders above the rest of the pack i have three farm systems actually head and shoulders above the pack and i wasn't really sure how to rank them but then i like i thought about how i was gonna weight prospects so i weight the prospects i give the most weight to high-end what i perceive to be high-end prospects so guys that are like potentially superstars at the major league level Second, I give a lot of weight to low minors versus high minors. So the more elite prospects you have in the low minors, the higher ranking your system should be because those guys have the most value because you can keep as many as you want. Um, So I I do favor quality over quantity and I give more effect to low minors. I rank, I I would say myself, Flex and Cam and Jathish are all like could easily be in any order. One, two, three. Okay. Uh, So those three systems are head and shoulders above everyone else. Um, they're like a top tier for me. I, I just ranked them the way I did because in my opinion, like I have a few more higher end prospects in the other systems, but Flex has like the best low minor system. I put him second. Okay. Um, 
Cam and Jathish have a strong combo of like elite guys, a Yuri Perez, um, a Cam and Nero from Tampa Bay. Those guys are elite, elite prospects, but they don't quite have as many as say Flex and myself. So okay. I put them third. Um, so that's my justification for those three in particular. Fair enough. Well, sticking again in the, the bottom part of, of this article, then you've also got the Illuminati and the man uh, coming in at 17th and 19th overall. That's a fairly strong indictment to have a team that you have no faith in their major league and no faith in their minor league. Should they just quit now? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, Nick, Nick's <laughs> only good prospect is Matt McLean. Right. Frankly. Right. Um, Mike, Mike's, ranking and he's unhappy with it is solely an indictment off of the fact he sold the system right okay. so who's left in that system that you really like gavin williams okay who else who's a yeah, difference maker it's pretty thin yeah yeah so that's where i'm at with those guys and like if mike had his old system and he never traded for that trade it's probably top top 10 ish you know top eight okay but i i, I just don't there's nothing there. Like he's got some guys, but they're not, they're not difference makers. And when I'm weighting difference makers as the highest consideration outside of Gavin Williams, I didn't see any. So it's unfortunate. Okay. I can, uh, I can get behind that. The, uh, the only other guy that, or sorry, team that I should uh, say that sort of surprised me. Uh, it's an interesting carryover from the, the first half of, of the article, but once again, the Bash Brothers, uh, you've got ranked sort of middle of the pack at number 10, right? Right smack dab in the middle. Um, and I, I, I did not feel that it was as strong. And so I was curious if this was just because they have a large number of low miners that's giving them the the sort of added race, the, the added like strength, if you will. Yeah, yeah I mean, I they were someone I kicked around to and I was kind of like, eh, should they go down a bit? And I give a lot of weight to Brock Porter, top 100 okay. prospect, low minors, very young for his levels. I think he's going to be very good. Um, I'm also giving a lot of credit to Matthew Libertor and what he's doing currently. Okay. Um, being a better pitcher, being a better prospect, currently up at the major league level. Looks like he could be a difference maker for the Cardinals if they ever figure out how to use him properly. Hmm. Um, and I give a lot of weight to Quinn Priester as well, the top 100 prospect, who's looking pretty good in AAA. Um, did I give too much weight to those guys? Maybe, maybe, maybe our right. care belongs more like 10. And, and I think that's fair to say that might've been a mistake I made, uh, in ranking a system. All right. Fair enough. Any, uh, any closing thoughts on, on this article then, uh, Jeremiah, when can we expect the, the next iteration of this following an ideal schedule? Well, ideally the next one will be at the halfway mark of the season. So that okay. would be, there's 19 matchups, right? So I'm thinking around week 10 in between okay. week nine and 10. Uh, I'll post it again. I mean, this is just my opinion. I mean, it's not an indictment on these guys. If if they think their systems are better, I'd love to. I'd love to bring someone on and fight with them about about it. But um, <laughs> you know, I, I think the real sad thing is the teams that are bad and don't have the good systems. I, I think that's tough, right? Like that's a it's a hard ro road to hoe, you know. Um, right. So I'm hopeful it gets better for those guys. Um, I'm sure Ryan has his own thoughts on his system being number one, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is just my opinion. I, I think generally it makes sense, and I think most people would agree. But hey, who knows? Who knows, indeed. Well, uh, looking forward to the content as I do most every week. Um, it would be nice if somebody not named Jeremiah would write something at some point in time. But hey, you know, beggars can't be choosers, and I guess we're all just begging now. 
I mean, if people get sick of me, <laughs> my I, I posted this, but my solution is like make your own content, like, uh-huh. like literally anything you want. It doesn't have to be an article. It could be like a side podcast. It could just be like a a rap, even. Like we, we're open to anything <laughs> over here, like literally anything, you know, and, and I'm not a numbers guy. So if some of the numbers guys want to release some analytics or numbers articles, like go ahead. Come on. We, we welcome this stuff. We do. We do. And we will talk about it every week. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Give give more voice to the uh, to the masses, as it were. All right. Well, Jeremiah, we're getting a little long in the tooth on this uh, this episode as we uh, start crawling in on, I guess, the 70 minute mark. Um, what do you think? Is it time to do a quick recap of our week eight preview picks? I would say so. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to try something a little bit different. We discussed ahead of time, both of us expecting this to be a little bit of a longer episode. And so I'm going to quickly run down the picks that we are both on the same side for, um, just because I don't think there's any discussion uh, needed. But you let me know if any of these are the picks that you want to you want to swap or mm-hmm. switch your your switch your 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 pick for. But we've got we're both on Newton, Ben, Chow, Flex, Aiden, and Tillo to come out with wins this week. Anything in there that's got you second guessing? I'm actually not going to use my swap this week. I want Ooh. to give you the fairest chance possible to come back. The fairest, the fairest chance possible. Okay, well, that's uh, that's wonderful. Thank you for that. That doesn't feel demeaning at all. Uh, <laughs> and with that, let's just go ahead and dive right into the first matchup that we disagree on, and that's actually your matchup uh, against Ash. I'm on you this week. You're on Ash. Now, neither of these teams are really well-established as far as their records are concerned. And so far you're way up uh, in the pick because you're way behind in the matchup. You're uh, you're already looking about 33 and a half points back uh, as it stands right now. And you say you're not using your, your, uh, your swap this week. Um, do you think I have a shot at winning this pick? Can no, you come this- back this week? No, this is a revenge. This is a revenge matchup. Ash is out for for blood, and uh, you can never underestimate the value of a good revenge matchup, sir. Okay. Fair enough. Well, then let's go ahead and jump up to the next one uh, that we disagree on, Uh, and that's actually the matchup between the Husan Alliance and the Stubby Clap Clappers specifically. Uh, I'm on Jamil. You're on Garth, and once again, you've got a 30-point lead on my pick. Yeah, to me, this was as simple as, like, potentially a two-start Spencer Strider week. Okay. Uh, that, that's a big deal, because Jamil doesn't have someone who can go toe-to-toe with Spencer Strider, in my opinion. So, yeah, I was hoping it would be Zach Wheeler, but uh, that's not the case. He's not very good. It he's turns fine. out. Yeah, he's, he's fine. all right. He's fine. But he's not Spencer Strider. So. All right. Well, then let's jump ahead to the next one, where we've got the RKR Bash Brothers going against the Squirtle Squad, uh, I'm on the squad, you're on RKR, and would you look at that? It's about a 30-point difference in their current matchup. Once again, I am trailing. Yeah, I mean, I like, I really like, I don't know if you could tell, but I really like RKR's team. Like, I, I yeah. like it a lot. So I'm going to keep, like, uh, what's the, what's the term for that? I'm going to keep tailing that pick okay. until it, it 
lets me down. Okay. Well, we've got one more matchup to talk about, uh, and this is the last matchup uh, of the episode, but also the last one that you and I disagree on, uh, and that's the matchup between the Mad King and the Midland Raccoons. I'm on the King, you're on the Raccoons, and incredibly, with another 30-point margin, you are up in your pick, as the Raccoons have a 97-point total right now up against uh, Ryan 68.3. Yeah, this is part projection on my part. I, I would love to see Ryan take an L. So right. that's part of like willing it into reality. But I think, you know, I think the raccoons are legit. Like I, I do yeah. I do think, you know, like they're a lot like your team. They're riding gritty, unproven talent. Um and veterans. And I and right. I, I believe in what they're doing. So I wanted to, to make a different pick, kind of go off the beaten path here and see if I could grab a, an extra point. Yeah. And I mean if it works out, it, it great call by you um but to give the raccoons some credit they are the second place team this is actually number one against number two that's a pretty Mm -hmm. classic game of the week situation i think no and i think that's fair and i think 18 or 19 times out of 20 ryan's going to win the matchup Mm. i I just think it was a good point of differentiation here it was a good chance to get in on the floor of like a team that's they're number two but we don't i don't think anyone would think of them as a number two team when i said who's number two so you're getting right. in on the floor. You're getting in on a chance for a point. Someone's going to get a point here. You're either going to get the most obvious point of all time, or I'm going to get a gutsy <laughs> point. And either way, it's going to be entertaining. So that that was a big part of it. <laughs> there it is, people. Jeremiah has now just confirmed that the only reason he's making picks at this point is just to be entertaining. And still, I trail him by six overall. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. This is going to be one to talk about, I think, next week. It's going to be good. Well, luckily, uh, you'll be doing that talk by yourself. I won't be here next week. I'm uh, traveling for a business trip, and so I will be missing the regular uh, scheduled time slot, and I apologize for that profusely. Have you found somebody else to uh, to step in and take my hallowed place? You know, shamefully, I haven't gotten any resumes or bribery payments, so Ooh. people need to get up on that. Um, worst case, I got a couple of people I can reach out to. And hey, you know what? A worst case, I'll find someone who's not in the league to comment on this, Ooh. or I'll solo it. So those are the two other options we will kick okay. around. Uh, worst case comes to worst, we will solo it. But if we can find someone who might be interested in talking sports with us, we might do that as well. I like it. I like it. It's always good to have a plan, even if it never works out. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> going to be me soloing it. Let's be real. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, anything else you'd like to uh, to comment on this week, my friend? Well, well just that, again, if it's me soloing it, it's what you all fucking get for not volunteering. <laughs> so. I, don't, I don't know why I have to be punished too, Jeremiah. You don't have to listen. You're on a business trip. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll put the headphones on and just really pay attention in that conference. That's, uh, that's how we're going to run it. Listen, put it this way. If your wife, not that I think your wife would ever worry about this, but if your wife was ever like, Hey, what do you do on business trips? Should I be worried? Just tell her you listen to me solo a podcast and it takes all the women away. <laughs> my 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 wife knows that she's got nothing to worry about. She <laughs> she knows me personally and uh is already one of the very few humans on the planet that can stand me for any amount of real time. So <laughs> well, this is extra woman repellent in case. <laughs> Good. There you go. Good. Just play this on a on a portable speaker and no one will be near you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it sounds like I've got my Wednesday planned out ahead of me, so uh, thanks for that. 
you're so welcome yeah good stuff well then i suppose we might as well wrap up this marathon episode it's been fun though a lot of good chat going along the way uh, i suppose i should sign off uh for jeremiah the whiz kid johnson and myself garth newton good night and good fantasy <laughs>